You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're talking Greenland as well as all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. This week, we're discussing Greenland, which follows a family's fight for survival as a planet-killing comet races to Earth. John Garrity, his estranged wife Alison, and their young son Nathan experience the best and worst in humanity on their desperate and dangerous journey to get to a safe haven in Greenland before the countdown to the apocalypse hits zero. Dum dum dum. <laughs> now this film is directed by Rick Roman War, who worked with Gerard Butler on Angel Has Fallen. Yeah, so they've got some history there as director actor. So this is their second second attempt at bringing a great action flick to audiences. And it's a screenplay by Chris Sparling and stars Gerard Butler, Marina Baccarin, Roger Dale Floyd, and Scott Glenn. Now. From my perspective, there's quite a lot to unpack here. And I think the best place to start is to kind of look at the triple threat that this story delivers, which is its script, its dialogue, and then its story. And I guess how effective we think it plays out across the two hours. Mm. What do you think, Lee? What's kind of your, your initial reaction to this film? Well, the characters are fairly formulaic, I think, but I feel like you're busting at the seams to say something here. I can see from the look on your face. I mean, we've done this for a while now, but you are absolutely true. (laughs) You can read all the signs on my face. No, just kind of touching on character, all the family dynamics, the cliched things that you would expect. You've got a divorce in the works, an estranged husband and wife Mm -hmm. uh, in Alison and John. You've got the kid who's got health issues, which obviously drama ensues later on with all the chaos. But the one thing that kind of really grinds my gears and when they're setting up these um, character dynamics is dialogue such as this between the father and the son. I'm always going to be your father and I'm never going to leave you. And I think you've lost me when you're kind of delivering that sort of like dripping with sentiment, unrealistic, cliched crap Mm. in the first 10 minutes of a film. Yeah, I'll agree with you. The dialogue was pretty cheesy in places and you've got some really cliched characters. As you said, the mum and dad who are estranged with marital troubles, but the Armageddon's going to force them to work together and appreciate what they had. Oh, absolutely. It's stuffed to the brim with obstacles, of course, which is a typical disaster flick trope. You've also got the stubborn old coot who's riding out on his own terms. (laughs) Didn't you love that? Love that. Oh, I just love that expression. Oh, gosh. If I'm going to heaven, I'm going to meet my maker. I'm doing it here. Oh, for God's sake. Why? Why would you do it there? Why wouldn't you? uh, Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about the exposition? Mm. So, obviously, with these sorts of disaster flicks, you've got to kind of set the tone, the positioning, which, like, sets the pace for the rest of the film. And... Their attempt at establishing the details of the comet and its fate, it was clunky and I found it painfully patronising, especially when throughout the film it was delivered by someone and people who are clearly do not sound like real news reporters. And again, it just brings it back to the, the choice in dialogue and it's just really hard to swallow. It's just very like in your face. They're saying stuff that news reporters would just never say and Mm. it's just yeah it's hard to kind of um settle into a film that treats you like a fool 
uh, oh. so, so quickly. Wow. So, yeah, the dialogue was a real issue for you. I'm just reading between the lines here. Yes, problematic for me. Speaking of things that um, grind our gears, one thing that gets me in these kind of movies and it was driving me nuts through this film was mm. why he was cruising along at the speed limit on a road with no cars <laughs> when time is of the essence to get to a certain point to hopefully get to a safe haven. <laughs> And he's just cruising along doing the speed limit oh. until the absolute last minute when it's like, oh, oh no, they're leaving without us, quick. Like, well, you could have been doing 100 before then, mate. Yeah. Is this an American family road trip film where you're just going to have a few chats along the way? Yeah. The, there was no sense of haste. And there's two things that jump out. One, which is that exact thing. It was very much the same thing the whole time. Them in cars, them walking and running and nothing really happened for mm. across the two hours. It's just all okay. same, same, but different, but same. But the one thing that really puzzled me was when Jared Butler's character went to the shops at the beginning of the film. And they set the expectation that there was an hour before the guests arrived and the wife was still blow drying her hair. So he went off to the shops and then next minute he's home and all the guests are there and she's all done up and everything's like, was he gone for like an hour and a half? How far away were these shops before he ended up going there and back? And then it just, yeah, another thing that just lost me. And I thought, <laughs> how long has it been? <laughs> There's that spatial awareness thing that you absolutely hate. There it is. Let's talk about how this movie stacks up against other disaster movies because it seems like we're absolutely tearing it apart. But you know what? I actually thought it was pretty decent in terms of the genre. Okay. Well, I'm really keen to hear why you thought that, to be honest. Well, at several points, it had me wondering, uh, genuinely engrossed in how they were going to wrap it up. Mm. I was invested. Okay. I did, for a moment, really lean into the whole premise around random selection. That was quite intriguing to me. Mm. because only certain people were chosen to be taken to the secure shelter to protect the human race from the destruction of the comet. And this should have offered really great drama and the moral conundrum of leaving people behind and, you know, making that personal choice. Mm. How effective do you think they were in exploring that as a theme? Oh, definitely. It was a lot more character-driven and drama-driven than your typical disaster flick. Mm. I mean, usually the spectre of the meteor or comet or whatever is looming far off notion that just weighs on everyone all the way throughout. But in this one, what's interesting is that it was immediate and all the way through. Mm. So it happens really quickly in the film. True. And then keeps impacting, if you will, all the way through. And there's the peaks and troughs that you get in disaster flicks. So they give hope and then they snatch it away and then they give a bit of hope again and then they throw an obstacle. So, I mean, that measures up, don't you think? I hear you on that. And I think that it did attempt to achieve that. But I, I don't agree, but that's okay. There was a notable, from my opinion, a pitiful attempt at establishing more character about an hour and a half in uh, with the father-in-law and them as a family and a mm. couple. And I just found that really poorly timed. And from my perspective, I just didn't give a shit at that point. Mm, okay. And I was just kind of like talking to myself going, get on with it. You know, the pace has suffered enough. You haven't done a good enough job to establish character and motivation at the beginning it was just all dripping in cliche and they tried to then pull on the emotional heartstrings you know three quarters of the way full and I just thought it was poorly timed well what's different about this one to say maybe deep impact or Armageddon mm. is that their focus is on these three central characters the family normally the other films will have more characters be invested in and they really throw so many threads at you 
Do you think that was a detrimental choice to just focus on the family? No, you are right in that historic disaster movies tend to have a lot of bit players this advisor, this government body. Not just that, but they develop a lot of threads. In Deep Impact, for example, you've got Tia Leone, the journalist, whose relationship with her father is a thread through that. You've also got the astronauts trying to break down the asteroid or comet or whatever it was. Mm. In this one, it's just the central family unit. Do you think that was detrimental? I don't think it was detrimental. I just don't think it was executed well enough. I just don't think the characters had enough light and shade or interest to them enough and I guess I couldn't get past all the idiotic decisions that they kept on making throughout the life of the film but I do agree that it was a different way of looking at a disaster flick and having it a little bit more contained and immediate so I do appreciate what they were trying to do there and I'm glad that you got a little bit more out of this genre due to that choice with Greenland more more than I did. When I said before that the comment was a more present threat Do you think this movie would have benefited from more of a lead up or more of an aftermath maybe? Were you happy with the way it wrapped up, for example? Well, I thought the climax was utterly laughable, to be honest. I just just (laughs) couldn't suspend belief with this film, which sounds ridiculous because it's about a planet-killing comet coming Mm. at you. So there are things that are just not going to be realistic there. But, yeah, maybe it suffered from not having a lead up. Maybe it suffered for not seeing more of the aftermath. I think it just focused too much on the immediacy and it just affected the pace and I just felt like there wasn't enough action in there. I mean, they made a conscious decision that it was more about people in this film, like Mm. you've noted, and how society might react at a time of panic and less about the destruction. But from my perspective, you were left feeling ripped off as there was no real character development to keep you engaged or the structure and approach Mm. to the societal reactions were all just uninteresting and poorly executed and it was void of anything really and left me begging for more things to blow up. To be honest, it sounds ridiculous. I just wanted to see shit blow up more. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say it goes big on special effects and action and I was quite impressed with that. And I just thought, oh, what a shame that we don't get to see this on the big screen because I think it would have resonated more with people. You and I both agree that that is definitely the case. Films need to be seen on the big screen and definitely movies like this within a genre of disaster. So maybe I could have appreciated more of what they were trying to do here if I had that huge screen cinema experience up there. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't get that. (laughs) Let's talk about the performances now. It's worth noting in this that Gerard Butler is using his own Scottish accent and I think that's a really Mm. great move because, as I've said before, when actors have to do different accents, even if they're doing them very well, it puts a certain strain on the performance, I think. Yeah. So using his own accent really allowed him to really dive into the character of John Garrity and really bring out that dramatic performance. How did you think he pulled that off? I loved that he kept his accent. I agree. Uh, When actors can't particularly nail alternate accents it can be a bit distracting and this definitely was his film and I think he carried it really well and you did believe what he was trying to do and how dedicated he was in finding his family and, and getting them to safety. I mean Gerard Butler is no stranger to action flicks like this absolutely but True. what we haven't seen a lot of from him is maybe the vulnerability and the fear of a father trying to protect his family like in mm. the other films 
big set action pieces that we see Gerard Butler do. He's always butt kicking and saving mm-hmm. the day and, you know, headbutting the comet or whatever. <laughs> it was nice to see him take a different track here. Yeah, he had more at stake in this. He was invested in more than just other adults or himself. He had a son and a wife to protect. So it definitely felt more personal than we have experienced before. You're right. And he did get into a bit of fisticuffs along the way. So there was a bit of that kind of Gerard Butler action there. But it was different because the character didn't know what he was doing. It's not like he suddenly became a prize fighter, which can happen in other movies. Yeah, no, I think that fight scene in particular felt quite gritty and real. So I'll give you that one, especially how it played out in the aftermath. One for Lee. One for Lee. (laughs) One popcorn kernel for Lee in Greenland. With a successful fight scene, it did kind of feel very chaotic and real and that he didn't seem to just like end up being, you know, this is Sparta from 300 and save the day. Like, it was pretty freaking brutal. Uh, I have to give it that. What about Marina Baccarin? She must have been absolutely exhausted Mm. through her performance. She went through a lot of trauma. And I think her performance really made you feel like she needed to lie down. She needed to hug this woman. Like, Mm. the stuff she endured, losing her husband, things with her son. She was so determined. I think she was very good. I like her as an actress and I was impressed by her performance, to be honest. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think she really brought the terror of a mother fearing Mm. for her family to the surface and fearing for her own life. All right, Lee. I'm sure you know what my position is going to be like, but I'd love to hear your wrap-up of Greenland before we delve into some movie news. No, I think you should go first. Oh, okay. All right, Mm. I will. I'll keep this short and sweet. I found Greenland incredibly cliched, boring and forgettable. The climax was laughable, as I noted before, and I was begging for more things to blow up. The film felt more like a sci-fi channel disaster movie in the Sharknado-type family of films than being compared to the likes of Armageddon and Deep Impact Day After Tomorrow in 2012 that this film is very distant cousin of, in my opinion. So I'm going to give Greenland one and a half popcorn kernels. Tim. (laughs) Am I in trouble? That wasn't sweet. That was nowhere (laughs) near sweet. My goodness. Well, I don't agree. Greenland is an action movie that won't have the same, forgive me here, impact as other disaster flicks, but it is no less worthy of the genre and full of action that will keep you invested. It's simply more character-driven than comet-driven. And I'm going to give it three and a half popcorn kernels. Ooh, okay. This is our biggest distant rating in mm. quite some time. That's all right. We'll just let it sizzle. We'll let the dust settle on the uh, this planet-killing review and we'll regroup <laughs> on another review soon. Hopefully we'll be more more aligned. So Greenland is available to stream on Amazon Prime now. All right, Lee, let's sink our teeth into some movie news from this week. Mm -hmm. John M. Chu, he was the director of Crazy Rich Asians and the upcoming In the Heights. He is taking over directing duties from Stephen Dowdry on Wicked, Universal's big screen adaptation of the hit musical. I've been so excited for this movie and Daldry departed the project late last year due to scheduling conflicts and it's been in limbo ever since. This movie's already been 10 years in the making. Who knows when we're going to get it? It's extraordinary. You know, from my perspective, this is such a beloved 
story. It's my husband's favorite musical. Mm. So it's very much a part of my life. It was actually one of the first dates we went on was to go and see Wicked mm. in Sydney. So I don't mind how long this development takes because it needs to be done right. And I'm very sad that Daldry has left the project as a director, but I think John M. Chu will bring a unique, fun perspective to this and, mm. and give it the life that it so needs. It's such a fantastic story and musical. Now, Chloe Zhao, who is the director of Nomadland and the upcoming Eternals movie, will helm a universal monster flick about Dracula. Mm. Zhao will write, produce and direct the movie. And get this, it's in the vein of a futuristic sci-fi western. How good does that sound? Take my money now. I can't get enough of this piece of news. It's a brilliant choice in directing, mm-hmm. taking a bit of a risk, but then flipping the genre and doing something really interesting with it, which is what needs to happen when you've got such an old age classic story. You've got to do something new and fresh to it. And I cannot wait to see this come to life. Now, some sad news. Yeah, some really sad news. Stage and screen legend Christopher Plummer has sadly passed away at an incredible age of 91 and extraordinary innings. The Oscar winner hit his head in a fall a couple of weeks ago and uh, unfortunately Unfortunately, has passed. Plummer has starred in over 100 films over a 60-year career, including classics The Sound of Music, A Beautiful Mind, Beginners, which he won his Academy Award for, All the Money in the World, and more recently, Knives Out. Incredible body of work. Definitely revisit it if you can. Oh, 100%. I think it's uh, about time I rewatched Sound of Music or at least his performance of Edelweiss, which just always, mm. you know, makes you well up, right? Such a beautiful uh, moment in the film. I don't know what to do with this piece of news, Tim. Mattel <laughs> are developing a movie with rapper Little Yachty. <laughs> Sorry. Who, who the... <laughs> I don't know who Little Yachty is. No idea. (laughs) And the movie is based on the card game Uno. Now, each piece of that sentence is just like, what? What? Huh? What? (laughs) It will be a live-action heist comedy set in the underground hip-hop scene in Atlanta, Georgia. Because of course it will. Whenever you play Uno, that's kind of the vibe that you kind of (laughs) lean into, right? I mean, I do with my friends. I don't know what happens in your family, but geez. Oh, gosh. I I don't have anything to really add or say about this piece of news. It is incredibly confusing and dumbfounding, <laughs> but I'm here for it. We'll see what fucking happens. <laughs> oh, on that note. On that note, Lee, that was another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. This week, we reviewed Greenland, which Lee noted is now available to stream on Amazon Prime. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio.